I don't own the rights to this music. It's that time. It's that time. I'm so excited. Joy comes in the morning. My God. This song is so befitting for tonight's episode called Life After. I'm so excited. I can't wait for it to say 930 because we about to get it going. And it's 930. And so we are about to get started. So I'm going to give a few minutes for our special guests to come on. Um, whenever you come on, Quailina, you can just request to join the live and I will bring you in. And we'll give a few minutes to give people time to get on, and then we are going to get started. So, so whenever you pop on Quailina, just go ahead and request. I don't own the rights to this music, um, but I'm so excited, y'all. It's a party because this is season three. This is season three of the podcast. I can't believe it. It is season three. It is our first episode, and I got a very special guest, um, the billionaire, and she is um, going to join us with her presence here shortly. Uh, we're just waiting on her, but in the meantime, it's going to be joy in the morning, right? Um, you know, your past does not define you. It develops you. And so we're just going to get into it tonight, and we're going to um, just allow her to share her story so we can be encouraged, we can be empowered, and um, we can see how God has just done great things in her life. So we are just waiting, and as we're waiting, how y'all doing? I miss you guys. It's been, I don't know, almost a month maybe since I've been off, um, taking some time off to recoup to prepare for season three. Super excited um, what God is doing, how he's using me, how he's using this platform um, to just glorify him. Um, so I'm just so excited for the different guests we're going to have on this season, for the topics we're going to cover, um, and just, just how we're going to go to another level. And so, um, Quailina, whenever you come on, just request. Just send me a request to join the live, and we'll get started. I don't own the rights to this music, but if you guys want to know, it's Tori uh, Wells, Joy in the Morning. And it will be Joy in the Morning no matter what you've gone through, no matter what your past say, no matter what you've done. There will be Joy in the Morning. Weeping indoors for the night, but Joy comes in the morning. Don't ever think that it's too late, that it's over, that there there's no hope, right? Because there's always hope. If you have breath in your body, there's hope. If you woke up this morning, there is hope. There is nothing God can't redeem. There is nothing He can't restore. He is in the restoring, miracle work, and business. He's done it for me. He's done it um, for our guests. So I'm just excited for um, her to share her story. And um, so you guys can see um, a true reference of what redemption looks like, right? And not just to, um, you know, sometimes hearing it just from the perspective of reading it out of the Hello? Hey, I didn't know I was supposed to be getting on live. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, yeah. I always record. We could record live and then we pull the audio off and uh, I upload it. Okay, I just was making sure I'm, so I was on, the, on the spot. Okay. Yes, come on. Yep, I'm waiting on you. We waiting on you, girl. Come on. Okay. All right. 
Hey, y'all. So, yeah, she's about to join us, so I'm so excited. But like I was saying, there's nothing God cannot cover. Nothing that um his it says in the word that his love covers a multitude of sins. So it don't matter what you've done. It don't matter what you've been through, girl. I didn't been through a bunch of things. I didn't done some things. I have a past, as we all do. And so this is just something to encourage. She can. Why is it saying that? Approve. Okay. Podcast where we're redefining a woman's words. I'm your host, Janelle Renee, and I'm so excited to be here with my very special guest, Quaylina. Uh, I just can't even just say how elated I am for this first episode and just how God just really orchestrated this. And uh, we met via Facebook. Um, she was obedient and reached out, and it aligned, and we connected, and here we are. And so um, I'm excited for how God is going to use her today to minister to the um to our community as we're here to redefine each uh, woman's work we're here to encourage and empower one another and to give hope like that your life can be redeemed you can be restored your past does not define you it develops you and you are worthy and so um without further ado Quailina, i'm going to give you the platform to, and to introduce yourself tell us a little bit about you and then we're going to get started hello hello can y'all hear me good you low you're okay. a little low. Yeah, let me turn my, Let me fix this, uh, my microphone. Can you hear me better now? You're still kind of low. Oh. Is it better now? I could cut it up. Are you covering up the, the speaker with anything? No, that's why I just put picked it up to see was it the speaker or is it the phone? Okay, yeah, because you sound real low, like your volume is really low. Okay, We gonna it's gonna work out. We gonna get it going. We're not gonna allow this to hinder what we about to do. It's about to go forth in Jesus' name. And so, um, whatever we gotta do, we are gonna work it out. Can you hear me better now? Oh no, it got worse. Leave out and come back on. Don't worry. Like, right? I'm gonna come. I'm about to leave. I'm if you need to leave out and just come back on, sometimes it might be the connection. And um, just re-request, and then let's see if that helps. Okay, got you. All right, yeah. So, guys, this is an interactive podcast. You guys' comments are welcome. You guys have questions um, for our guests or for myself, please put them in the comments, and we will try our best to get with them. Um, I'm super excited for all of you guys who are going to watch the live or watch the replay. I hope and pray that something um, that you hear tonight will bless you, will encourage you, um, will give you hope. Why is it saying that? Let me see. Okay. The devil is a liar. We're not about to do this. So, she just was on. Huh. Let's see if I can send her a request. Okay. I just sent you a request because for some reason I was trying to act like that you can't um, be added. <laughs> I don't think so. 
in the name of Jesus, you, you're going to get on this episode because this episode was designed, it was timed specifically for you to be on it with your powerful um, testimony and for you to be able to use your voice to help encourage us women as we're redefining our work. So we're not going to allow nothing to stop us. We're going to keep flowing and we're going to just believe God to make the technical difficulties to um, everything to work together and we're going to move forward. So I just sent her a request. I see if it'll let her know. There it is. See, that's what I'm talking about. This is how we do it here on the Purity After Promiscuity podcast. We put our faith to work. Hopefully you can hear me now. Okay, you still low, but we go, it don't matter. It don't matter. Let's All right, see, let's see. You know, we're just going to believe it's going to get a little louder as we go. But um, just try your best to speak as loud as you can because you are a little low. And just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Hi, um, my name is Polina, and first of all, I am a child of the Most High, and I am a mother of five. I am originally from Akron, Ohio. Um, I am uh, what they would call a Floridian now. I've been here 25 years, um, so um, this is kind of like my home, even though I'm, you know, originally from Akron, that'll always be, you know, my stomping grounds. Um, I am a grandmother also. Um, that's like my special baby. <laughs> um, I am the owner of uh, Q&Q Tax and Financial Services and Q&Q Tax Pro Solution. Taxes is kind of like my niche thing to do, but my uh, passion is to help people start their own businesses. So that's like uh, my go-to. I try to help everybody that I can get into the business. That's kind of my passion, generational wealth, financial literacy um, for our community. Um, and it was definitely a journey getting here. <laughs> But it's, it's always a journey, right? Right now, you know, especially with God, everything <laughs> everything is a journey. So that is very powerful. Um, just with uh, what God has already um, been doing in your life, what you're passionate about, um, your gifts, um, your heart, and um, just for God to just take things that we probably always had and we don't really know how it's gonna really come together and work until we start walking in it. And so, like. Did you ever see yourself um, as an entrepreneur, you know, um, having multiple companies and um, doing the things that you do? I can honestly say I didn't see myself where I am now, but I've always had a hustler mentality in me uh, from when I was younger. Um, but I didn't actually see myself like where I'm at now. You know what I mean? In the business that I'm in. It never even fanned in my mind that I would be doing type taxes, that I would know anything about financial literacy or financial yes. wealth. You know what I mean? Yes. So it is kind of like mind-blowing. I never thought I would be here. That's how God is. He is yeah. awe-inspiring. <laughs> so I'm so excited. So as we all know, today's episode is titled Life After. Um, and I particularly prayed about that title because I wanted to know how God wanted to use our special guest, Polina, to add value to the podcast and to encourage us and to empower us and to increase our faith, right, um, as we're redefining our worth as women and not being paralyzed by our past and our past choices and the mistakes that we made or even the path that we might have had to go down to get where we are today. And so um, I'm so excited for her to share some of her testimony with us and just to allow us to see a visual, right, of what we read in the Bible, um, to see a living witness of how God can take you from one place and bring you to the next. And so um, I'm just going to start uh, um, and ask a question. So um, just kind of 
give us a background, a little bit of background kind of of what your life was, like, before you became the woman you are today. Like, where were you at? Um, I was in the streets. I was just, I, you know, I don't try to sugarcoat things. I was in the streets, and I was in the streets heavy. Been in the streets since I was 12 years old. That's when I first started hustling. So hustling has just always been a part of my life. Um, I work jobs here and there, but uh, I grew up, I got to get it by any means necessary. Um, I've been a mother since I was 15 years old. So I've always had somebody else to take care of. So um, I started hustling at 12. From there, I, we moved here to Florida, and uh, the thing down here was dancing, you know. So that was my next hustle. Um, and then from there, I started throwing parties, which um, – was my was my thing to do like I hosted parties you know some guys needed some girls they would call me and you know I would put it all together um so really that's just where I was at um I didn't really know where I was going you know what I'm saying I was just living day by day it was like um we just got to pay bills like I said I have five children I've had three children since the age of 19 um so Back when I was younger, I lived in Akron, and anybody from Akron knows uh, that it's a little rough up there, you know. And I was uh, what they call a street girl. I run the streets. I hustle with the dope boys, you know what I mean? I was one of those girls. And then, um, like I said, we left and ended up here in Florida, and then the crowd changed. So it was a different type of hustle then. It was never really like a lifestyle to me because it was just a hustle. I wasn't doing this because I, I, you know what I'm saying, I liked it at at the moment. It was because I had to feed my kids, but then I got caught up in the lifestyle, and it was the thing to do. You know what I mean? I would club from Wednesday to Wednesday. We would be out drinking, you know what I'm saying, at least five days a week. It was the normal. Um, my mom was around with, um, with all my kids, and she really helped me. So that that was kind of the way I was really able to go out and be hanging out because my mom had my kids. Um, she's always been there to take care of them. So I just hung out. Like, as long as my mom had money, I would pay the bills. I would be like, here goes some money, back to the streets. You know what I mean? So I was there, but I wasn't at the same time, you know. So um, in 2011, my mom died, and she was like um, my everything, you know. So me being the oldest, we all kind of broke down, but I had to step up. Because um, when she left, she told me, make sure that you take care of your sisters and brothers. You know what I mean? So it was like, now that she's gone, I got to really figure out who I am and what I'm doing. Because now I got some other people to take care of <laughs> besides right, my kids. Right. You know I mean? now, the pressure. Right. You know, the pressure is on. So I'm not, I went into a really deep depression for about two years after my mom died. And I was self-medicating um, with partying drugs and stuff like that. Um, so when I was out doing that, you know, everybody's around when it's time to party. But when you go home right. and you're alone and the high start coming down and that liquor start wearing off, man, listen, it is something serious. When I say something serious, so after a while I could, I was just coping, you know, for at least about two years. I literally was just coping. I can't uh, remember a lot of days that time because I was just here and there. But um, when I was alone in those dark places, I called on God, and I told him, like, I don't want to do this no more. I remember coming home, it was probably like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. I had been hanging all night. Homegirls didn't drop me off, and I was in there, like, looking around my house, like, God, I know it's something better. 
You know what I mean? So I remember just getting on my knees and praying, saying, God, whatever it is you got better for me, that's what I want. And he took me through some struggles, you know what I mean, like to see if I, this is what I really wanted. Because sometimes you'll say yes to God, but you're really not ready. But he's going to still come after you, you know what I mean? Like no matter how I dig, dig, like the hole I was digging for myself was so deep, and I kept digging. Even while I was calling him, I was digging. But he came and got me. Like when I say literally came and got me, came and got me. Because without him, I would not be here. Um, in the Bible, it tells us that 10,000 will fall to your right and 10,000 will fall to your left, but it will not come near you. When I say that is yes. what it is for real, the closest people to me that I live that lifestyle with are some of them not in their same minds. Some of them are not here. Like just been through so much and God always kept me. I've had times when I had to wonder if I was going to make it back home to my kids at night. You know what I'm saying? And God still kept me. Like, and I sit back now and I think about it, like, out of all the people, why me? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, why me? This little girl from Akron. Who am I? But he was like, you minds. And he came and got me. Man, look, you come out with the fire, you know. Listen, you know, we, listen. we ain't even get real more dirty. You come out the gate with the fire, um, but I love it because <laughs> that is so powerful to even hear. And I think what's interesting is when you say how old you was. You were 12 years old and you had to go out and hustle. And a lot of us know what hustling is, but there may be some people that don't know or don't understand that terminology. Um, so... When you say hustle, like when you you, what were you like doing at twelve years at, old? At twelve to years old, I was at twelve years old. I was selling dope. Okay. So okay, and so you was in these streets. Us, yeah, I was like what eighties, nineties. Everybody know a lot of our parents and grandparents was on yes. drugs. My mom was not on drugs, but my grandmother was, and a lot of my cousins and people that were yeah. close to me. Yeah. So, kind of order for me to keep a means to our money in the house, I had to hustle because mm-hmm. if not. The people that my mom would let come in, my aunts and my uncles, they were stealing. You know what I'm saying? Taking mm. food from out of our mouth. And in the, the household that we grew up in, my mom was like the backbone to everybody. Like I said, she was the only one that, um, the oldest one, and she wasn't on drugs. So my mom raised everybody's kids. It was always 10 to 12 of us in the house. You know what I'm saying? Wow. But sometimes she would, you know, feel sorry for my aunts and my family and let them come back in. They would steal. You know what I'm saying? They would steal money and everything. And then my mom got to figure out how she's still going to feed all these kids and still pay the light bills and stuff. I was the oldest. At 12 years old, I had to step up. You know what I'm saying? And that was just a means for us to keep the money in the house. Like, that's just how it was. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't even really yeah. explain it because when I tell people that they be looking, I'll be like, that's just what it was. Like, I, in order for us to keep the money in the house, I had to hustle. And you had that mindset at 12 years old, you know, because I, I know at 12, I was I was going through some things. But uh, where I was at at 12 years old was a little different because I wasn't hustling then. Um, but, you know, I um, I was struggling, and I had tried to commit suicide at 12 years old. I actually attempted suicide, and I took a bunch of pills and was dying, really. The pills were taking effect, and uh you know, I just remember having to get my stomach pumped after I came to, and, you know, I was dealing with so much stuff in our at home, and it's so crazy how our environment 
can really shape like the direction you know that we go down in life and you know at 12 years old just just to think that you want to end your life at 12 right you ain't lived no life but you've got so much pain and so much hurt you know and so many uh, traumatic experiences that at such a young age instead of thinking about life and what you want to be when you grow up and you know dreaming I'm thinking about I want to end my life because I don't want to deal with this pain anymore. So it's so interesting how at young ages we carry such huge burdens. Definitely, definitely. We carry huge burdens. And so um, I'm very happy that you are being honest and transparent um, because I'm sure somebody who is going to watch this can relate and they can understand, right? And sometimes they need to see this hope because a lot of people think that their situation is hopeless or they think that their situation too bad or or the, you know their mistakes can't you know god won't forgive that and so um that's really what this podcast is all about is to bring hope right to the hopeless and to um allow people to see a reference that it doesn't matter like your start it's about your finish that's and it's nothing that is wasted and when the Bible says all things work together, that we're all is inclusive, that means the good, the bad, and the ugly, it all works together for your good. And God has a way of taking everything and just still making something beautiful out of it. And so I'm so excited um, just for you, um, just to be this, this ray of hope for us, and especially those who have a similar testimony, who know what it is to have to go out here and hustle. You got to be the mom now. You got to be the one to take on that responsibility, you know, to take care of the, your siblings and to run the household and bring those. Like, how do you, at a young age, even understand how to do all that? You know what I'm saying? Right. So at a young age, my mom always, I was, like I said, I'm the oldest. So my mom always like taught me how to pay bills. You know, I would be the, um, she didn't talk very well. She felt, so she will always put me on the phone to do her talking. So I'm the Mm. one who paid bills, probably from about nine years old. She would show me how to pay the bills, you know? Um, and I just was, I was, I was just very smart. I always paid attention to what was going on around me. Um, the devil has been on, on attack since I was 11 years old. So I will say that I was put in situations where I had to mature very early. Um, And I think that's where it kind of stemmed from. Um, It was like, yeah, I was about to say like 11 years old will be the first time that the devil was on attack in my life. I actually made it to the newspaper and my father did too. (laughs) One of those type of situations. Um, and I've had a similar situation, um, like with you at 12 years old, um, I kind of wanted to take my life. Um, and it was like, um, how can I say it? I was scared. Um, and I remember when, when we lived in that, when that happened, when we lived in that house, we lived on Euclid. Uh, I knew that I couldn't leave my mom. Mm. So it was like, when I, and I, had, I didn't want to be there. But it was like, if I'm not here for my mom, then who is? Because that was the situation. My grandmother was on drugs. Her sisters was on drugs. You know what I mean? A lot of the cousins was on drugs. And we talking about heavy crackheads, just what it was. You know what my I mean? Barefoot. So outside. I know what you mean. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like real crackheads will take anything yeah. you got, don't care if the kid is hungry or not. So yeah. I just seen that they didn't care. I was hearing my mom in there crying about how she was going to pay the bills and stuff like that. And she was strong. She tried to hide it, but 
I, I could see it. You know what I mean? So it was just like when it was time for me to step up, and it was just like this is what I got to do. You know what I mean? It was really like not a question. It was just like, okay, this, this is just what I have to do. Um, and it did make me the person who I am today because one thing about it, I'm a hustle. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to hustle. You know what I'm saying? You're just hustling in the right I'm way. I'm hustling yeah. a different way. Like, you know, yeah. back then it was like off survival. Um, I, and that's yeah. what I was raised on. I was raised on survival, but I also was raised on love. My mom loved us very much. She always let us know that we were beautiful. You know what I mean? And she didn't um, didn't let things slide and stuff um, when people treat us a type of way. You know what I mean? And stuff. You know how sometimes your parents will let other people come in and treat you a certain type of way? My mom was very adamant about, uh, you know, these are my kids. You know what I mean? So I, I love her for that because I see in instances where other people in our same family grew up and now we're dealing with the issues from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so yes, I didn't lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. So, like, how about what was the time frame? So you started at twelve. So what was that time frame of you living the life of the streets and, and hustling and just doing what you got to do to survive? From about twelve to I'm gonna say thirty five, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's a long duration of life. So, like, I'm sure you got countless experiences like stories um is there one in particular though that stands out as the thing that was maybe like the defining moment when you were like okay I gotta stop I gotta change this I don't want to live this life anymore um I want there like you said there has to be something different but sometimes we think that I know I did when I was in my mess when I was in the streets doing the things I was doing Right. You think that in, in moments, especially when you're coming down, right? Especially like if you've been high, you've been smoking, you've been drinking, you know, and, and you got to sit there with yourself. You think in that moment, but it don't click all the time because then you still go do the same thing the next day. You right. know what I mean? So you don't hit that rock bottom instantly. Sometimes it's like a, a process or a gradual thing, but then there can be like that one thing where you like, this is it. I can't go back to this. So, what was what's that one thing for you? Uh, that one, I was, I was, uh, I was dating a guy, and um, we had been dating for a while, um, but I was still in the streets. You know what I mean? So, me, my delusional mind, he don't care if I'm in the streets. You know, I'ma just do me or whatever. And um, one night we had went out, and um, he kind of just showed out on me, like he embarrassed me. You know what I mean? He embarrassed me so bad in front of his friends, but I was so drunk and I was so high. When I got back to this man's house, I was beating on the door. I was about to break his car windows out, all kind of stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I was embarrassed. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I remember um, writing with my friend before I got to his house, and me and her was arguing. And she was – um trying to explain to me why her relationship that she was in, which was abusive, was better than the relationship that I was in. And in my mind, I clicked. And I told her, girl, you don't know me. You don't even know me. I said, I didn't have been in the paper two times. This ain't what you want. I mean, I just, like, turned into this whole totally different person. Yeah. And when I woke up that next morning, I was like, oh, no. We never, never, never doing this again. Right? So, but I'm still messing with him. 
me and him go out of town, uh, and I think I got some ecstasy or something like that with me, and I was going to take it while we was out of town, and uh, something happened while we was there, and I threw it in the to- and I threw it in the toilet, and I was like, you know what, that's it, I don't want it no more. When I got back, um, me and him was out of town. When I got back home, I kicked him to the curb and all my habits too. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like everything all went at the same time. Um, yeah. So it was like me seeing myself, not myself. It was like I stepped out of myself. Mm, I seen myself acting like this irate person, like somebody I had never seen before. Especially mm-hmm. me, like I'm not jealous about a man. I can get a million men. You know what I'm saying? But I yeah. almost flipped my car over that night. Um, it was just so bad. And when I woke up, where I woke up at, who I woke up with, I was like, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. <laughs> okay. Like, like, no, we we not doing this. Like, literally, I woke up like, oh, no. <laughs> like, and then when I woke up the next morning and thought about it, all the stuff I had did that led up to that, I was I was embarrassed for myself. Mm. I was like, I was like, cute, it's not you. This is not how you act. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I knew what it was. I was under the influence. I was emotional in my feelings. Um and worried about the wrong thing at the time. You know what I'm saying? And that was really like where I was like, nope, we're not doing this ever again. And from there, it's been, I want to say about six years now, I've been sober. <laughs> hey, girl, and that is something to be celebrated. So we want to take a moment here and really celebrate you, Queen, because that's amazing. Um, if people don't know what it's like to be in that life, like, we hear music, you know, we hear people who tell they tell little stories or pe- get on Facebook and pretend to be something else, right? Or right. they want to act like they didn't have this kind of life and they didn't live this and did this and did that. And they really haven't, you know, they really fake yeah. pumping because they think it sounds cool. But they really right. went out here in these streets. They don't know what it's like. They don't know what it's like to be out here doing what you feel like you got to do, but you don't really like it. So you got to cope with it. So now you got to drink and you got to smoke and you got to do all this because right. you got to be somebody else now. Because you know this is not who you are, but you don't see no other way. They don't know what it's like. They don't know what it's like when you literally think you got control over, like, because I used to smoke weed. I I used to smoke weed bad. Um, And it, it was a point in time where, you know, I thought, like, I was smoking weed. I'm controlling it. I'm in control. Um, But it, it became a point in time where, like, I knew I was, like, a full-on addict, right? I'm talking about real life because I was so used to waking up first thing in the morning, hitting that blunt, like, rolling up, that the mornings I didn't have it, I'm sick. Like, I can't eat. Like, I I don't have an appetite. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm irritated because I I need to smoke. You know what I'm saying? Because I had got so used to escaping that my reality and my body had gotten so used to coping with having to be high all the time that when I wasn't high, I was going through withdrawal. Right. And it and it was something that I never saw myself doing because I didn't even start smoking weed until I was an adult. And so I never thought, like, I could be addicted to something like that. I never saw because, like you said, I come from a family where people were on drugs and on drugs really bad. And even though crack and weed, not the same thing, but a lot of people, they progress. They might have started with something like weed. And, you know, it didn't get them high enough no more. And then you go to the next thing. So I could have easily been that, too. 
but to really be in a lifestyle that you are having to medicate to live your life every day because you out here hustling. Like, I remember being in the streets. I remember being at the stores boosting. I remember running on the police. Right. I remember getting arrested, you know what I'm saying, taking the charge because they asking me about the people I'm with, and I'm like, no, nah, you know what I'm saying, because it's, it's the cold. You know, yeah. I got caught, you know what I'm saying, so I got to take it on the chin. You know what I'm saying? I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be out here and to be drinking, and I don't remember how I even got home. And I'm like, there's, I don't even know where the keys at. Like, I don't even have no clue to, like, really, literally, I don't remember. Like, I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, people don't really know what that's like. You know, when you out here and you trying to fill a void by dating this dude, messing with this dude, you know, being with this dude because you want to be loved because you're still dealing with rejection and you're still dealing with mommy wounds and daddy wounds. And so now you're doing it. Now you're trying to fill a void that you can't fill and you don't even know why you're doing it. You don't even like the people. You're waking up looking at them like, why are they even here? You know, like, what you about to do, bro? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because you not, it's not, the void is still there. So now I got to smoke. Now I got to drink. Now I got to go out here and kick it all day. Now I got to be in these streets. Now I got to be at the bar every time it's open because I don't like who I am. And I don't like my life in that moment. And to be there, to be there and to have an encounter with God, when you think your life is not redeemable, right? You think it's the worst of the worst because you know the things that you don't say that you did. And you know God knows. But for him to still come and say, but I choose you anyway. Yes. I choose you anyway. <laughs> that is, if that's not encouraging, right? I don't know what it is. So I want to talk about what was that moment for you? Like, when did you come to that come to Jesus moment and you really decided, okay, not only do I not want to live this life no more, but now I want to intentionally live this life for, for Jesus. Um, let me say, what's this? Let's say about, about five or six years ago, um, after I had stopped dating um, the guy that I was dating, and I had told myself, like, um, I, I don't want to date anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just be by myself for a little while because um, in order to come away from that. So, first of all, I had a conversation with God. Let me tell y'all. I had a conversation with God. Tell us. <laughs> oh, God. I said, look, God, if you can provide for me and my kids, I will come away from the streets because that's all I know is I got to go get some money. I got to go get some money. And I was working jobs. But. It still wasn't enough to provide. So when my phone rang, to the money. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I had a conversation with God. I said, look, God, if you show me that you can, you are my provider and that you can provide for me, I will never go back to the streets. Mm-hmm. I got a job. I started working at a banana boat. I was doing sunscreen, probably making like $11 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was temporary. So I got me a job at Walmart. And... Um, I worked at Walmart for 30 days with no pay. I could barely get back and forth to work. I had absolutely no money, but I knew it was God testing me. I just knew because mm. I said, God, I know you ain't brought me this far. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I didn't no. all this training and everything. I was catching rides, borrowing money. For 30 days, I had no paycheck. 
you know, and I knew it was God testing me, but I stuck in there. I stuck in there um, for about three to six months. God blessed me with a $42,000 a year job. Oh, man, listen. I had to go back to school and get my GD at 35 years old to get that job. I passed it by myself. I didn't get no help. I know that was nothing but God. I hadn't been to school since the 11th grade. I got my GD at 35 with no help. I studied on my own. I know that was nothing but God. In two weeks, y'all, I got the the, um, the interview. The lady said, by the time this job starts, you got to have your GD. I studied for two weeks and went in there, scared us all out. God is good. I passed it on my mama's death date. I didn't even know until the, de- till, till the test came in. I was in front of Walmart shouting. $42,000 a year? I don't even know what that looked like. I had to do the math. You know what I mean? <laughs> to see how much they was paying me. But he really showed me. He was my provider. I was not, I'm going to say I wasn't qualified for that job. I was the only black female in the whole company, the youngest at that. When I say God put favor on my life to get me that job, and when he showed me he was my provider, I never looked back. And I still ain't looked back. And that's when I say it's for real. Like, God is real. When I say he is a provider, he is a provider. I I don't do, take anything of that on my own accord because I know it was nothing but him. I went from making $11 in six months to $42,000 in the same company. They took me from merchandiser to territory manager. I said, all right, God, and guess what? I never looked back. And it ain't always been easy. Because some days I'm still broke, but guess what? I'm still never going back because I know he is my provider now. Before, I thought I was the provider. Oh, my you God. Know, literally, That's before right I was the provider, I was out here getting it. I got to get it. I got to get it. I got to get it. This whole time, he'd been the one telling me, I got you. But when he when he showed me that he got me and we started talking, because you got to start having conversations with him. You got to go to him and start talking to him. I did find a church home that I, I started going to that around that time. They started feeding me the word. Uh, my pastor, he told me, he was like, if you want to get married, go home and throw all your old whole clothes away. So guess what I did? I went home and threw all my old whole clothes away. Like, I was doing Come on now. Faith. Come on now. Like, seriously. I went out my closet. My daughter was like, what you doing? I said, I'm doing just what the pastor told me to do. I'm throwing all my old whole clothes away. I want a husband. You know, and I just started having conversations with him and talking to him and I was working and working and he just, he just been my provider. You know what I mean? Like that's what really stopped me. I can say he showed me when he showed me he was my provider. I told him I'll never go back and I ain't never went back. He is so (laughs) faithful. That's why the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good because a lot of times we really got to get to that place of desperation and we got to get to that place where we're fully dependent on God and we give him the room to show us um, he's our provider. Cause sometimes like when you have to grow up and be that hustler and you be, you become independent, self-reliant, you be, you think you're your own provider and that right. can be, it can be difficult to transition from you providing to now this God that you're believing in by faith. Right. to be your provider and then it's tested like you said you you work for 30 days for no pay you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> it's like that thing is tested but when you stand and you're obedient 
you see the salvation of the Lord. He proves himself faithful every single time. And it is those tangible experiences that are the building blocks of our relationship and our faith that help us to not go back. Because yeah. we didn't taste it and seen that he is good. So that that is so powerful. Like, I'm over here trying to, like, <laughs> hold on to my chair. Like, okay, Lord, we're going to go to church here if she don't be quiet. And that's all you right. Know, but uh, I'm telling you because he is so good. And he he do things like he just used the foolish things to confound the wise. No, you don't got to be qualified for that job. You didn't have to have a GED for that job in the beginning because he qualified you. He was going, he was going to make a way and open a door that no man can close. Anyway, it was about where you're going to walk in it. That's right. And was you going to trust him? So, um, dang, that's so powerful. Like I'm just so, okay. I'm trying to gather my thoughts. So when you, finally came out of that life and you surrendered to Christ and I know you probably still had like some healing you needed to do right maybe from those experiences things you went through things you saw things from your childhood so what did the healing part of your journey look like it was ugly <laughs> I just be honest healing is ugly I don't I don't like to tell people that it's nothing good what comes out of it is good but the journey itself is really ugly because um, God separates you. God will take every person that you thought you needed and he will take them away from you. Family, your bestest friends, he will separate you and you will be thinking like, why am I alone? Especially for me, I had um, what you call separation anxiety from childhood issues. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I never wanted to be alone. Probably why I have so many kids. Um, but I never wanted to be alone, and I always had a friend that lived with me or a cousin or somebody that lived with me. I mm -hmm. didn't like to be alone, mm -hmm. so um, he had to teach me how to be alone, Ooh. and he had to completely separate me from all these people that were around me because where he was taking me, they wasn't ready to go, and I Come wasn't on. really understanding that yet because I still – these are my friends. And even though I'm not doing the same things that they're doing, they still my friends. But guess what? I cannot go out and hang with them and not do the things that they're doing because I'm not healed enough yet. That's what I had to learn. Like, when I go back out with them, I'm still drinking, even though I don't want to, but I'm drinking because, you know what I'm saying? But I wasn't healed enough to go out. So I had to completely separate myself from every single person that I know. And I know a lot of people that I used to hang with felt some type of way about that, but that was for me. And I don't feel no type of way about separating myself for me because I would not be who I am today. Um, the healing part is when you ask God to show you the things that you tried to hide. When we growing up and all these things that happened to us, we try to push them in the back of our mind. We try to hide them and we try to suppress them. And sometimes you get a trigger and then you flip out or whatever happens, you know, turns you into a trigger. But when you ask God to show you these things and reveal these things, then he can help you heal them. Um, like I said, I didn't even know that I had separation anxiety until he showed me. He put me in a dark room by myself one day, and all of a sudden I went to searching for everybody. And it freaked me out. I'm like, girl, they in the next room. But he was showing me. Like, you see how you're looking for everybody? This is how you need to be looking for me. Mm. So around that time, um, I can't think of the pastor's name, but she's every morning at 633. That's what she used to say, Matthew 633, 633. So I started getting into my word more and more and reading um, about 
seeking his face. You know what I mean? So when I called on him and I asked him to show me who I was, he showed me who he was in me. Mm. And that is really where my healing began. When I asked God to show me who I was, he showed me that he was in me. That yeah. was not a, a, a God in the sky for me to be looking for outside of myself. He showed me that he with me and he's always been with me. Even from a young child when I thought I was alone, he was still there. And he showed me, like he literally took me back in my past from 11 years old and showed me how he was there when I thought that he wasn't. When I was 14 and I, I thought he was nobody there watching what was going on, he knew what was going on. He was there. And he literally showed me how every single time in my life the devil tried to attack he turned it around for my good. Mm-hmm. Like, like things happened to me, which made my mom move. Like things happened in our family, which made my mom move. And that's how I got here to Florida. And if certain things had not happened, I would still be in Akron. I probably would have been in the feds somewhere. You know what I mean? So every, he literally showed me at, at 40, he took me back a few, few months ago and showed me everything that I've been through and why I had to go through it to be here today. My God. So the healing was like, why do you need these people? And then you ask yourself, why do you need these people? And then it'll, he'll really show you why you feel like you need these people and you don't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or why you, why me, I liquor. I just recently started liquor. Why? I felt like I needed liquor. But as mm-hmm. soon as I get drunk, guess what? A whole different person come out. And that's what God had to show me. This is the, like, I'm going to say spirit is really a spirit that gets on you. When they say spirit. Yes. It's really a spirit. And God showed me last year, me turned from me into a whole different person and took me outside of my body again and said, is this you? And I woke up that morning and I said, six months, I didn't have a drink for six months. And then I tried to have a drink, but he just won't let me. And I'm just telling him, okay, let's go because I don't really need it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It was me trying to suppress things. Um, Mm -hmm. From, like I said, childhood traumatic stuff that happened. You know, it's like you don't, and then you don't want to talk to nobody because people be looking at you crazy. Like for me, even now when I try to talk to people, sometimes when people be looking at me like, girl, and I be like, you know, this this is just me. You know what I'm saying? This is my life. So, you know, nobody uh, ever said we're going to go talk to a shrink or anything like that. So it was a self-healing process. Mm sister i can honestly say i have a sister who was younger than me and that's my my prayer warrior and uh me and her have been through a lot the last 10 years together on this journey but over the last five years god has really really healed us is what i can say like when um and i know that we're not completely healed you know what i mean this is a journey but um i pray that one day i'll be actually whole from the healing you know what i mean um so, yeah, it's, like I said, it's, I, healing is just so, it's like such a deep experience. I really can't explain it, it because it's like them ugly cries when you're sliding down the wall. You don't know, you know what I'm saying, what to do. That's, yes. <laughs> that's how yes. I can explain yes. it. You know? yes. All that. <laughs> but it, it is something that, yeah, it's something that you have to do. It is part of the journey. If you do not heal, you, I don't think that you can get to your next. That's what I'm going to say. So, me I'm literally, like, in my healing journey right now so that I can get to my next. I actually just uh, started my healing journey a couple years ago because I was just trying to find myself. 
for the last yeah. five years, you know. So I'm going to say the last two, COVID. COVID put us in the house. COVID did some things to a lot of people. Yes, COVID put us in the house. And um, yeah. that's kind of where I started going on my healing journey because I, I was in my room a lot. Um, like I said, I got five kids and they all over homeschooling. So I kind of put myself in my room and just got in there with my thoughts. And it, it like I said, it was, it was ugly, but I made it. It made me a better person. <laughs> Come on now. Yes. What but. is one of the um, biggest things you learned about yourself? Going from going on this journey, right? Um, because it's a journey, and it has been a journey, and it has been at its ups and downs. Um, I'm sure. Well, let me ask you this first: Was there ever a time when you were deep in like the lifestyle of hustling and in the streets that you felt like your situation was hopeless? Like you felt like you had done the worst of the worst, or you know that there was nothing, you know that maybe you were, like, unredeemable, you know, or, you know, that there was no hope for you to, you know, be anything other than, you know, whatever you were doing in that moment? Um, I don't know. So, because I don't really think that I thought about it back then. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So, back, like I said, I was in survival mode back then. So, it was just, like, every day, we living for every day. I didn't think about next week or next month or even the next year you know it was just like today is the day and this is what we got to do tomorrow we're going to worry about tomorrow I really had no thought um for the future and that's really sad to say but I can be honest um yeah I I always had aspirations um as a child you know what I mean but life had didn't hit me so hard by the time I was 30 I didn't know if I was coming or going honestly you know I had just lost my mom not only did I lose my mom, seven days later, I lost my older sister. A week later, we lost my great-grandmother. Oh, so, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, when I say life came, and it hit hard. Like, um, when my mom died, we had to bring her back to Akron. So as I was driving to Akron, my sister called and was like, oh, I think I'm having a heart attack. A black bird just flew in my house. I'm not going to make it either. So I didn't tell her, listen. I'm on my way, you know what I'm saying? Just give me it. By the time I got to Akron, when I hit the front door, she was taking her last breath. Oh, so at that point, that was that at that point right then, I was asking God, like, like I did, what is I'm doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, because it was literally too much for me. Yeah. And I think that's really like that was the start of God really waking me up, you know. Because, like I said, it was too much for me. Um, I probably was like 115 pounds. I had not eaten in a week or more, but I was mm. steady drinking. Drunk at my mama's funeral. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I ain't ate since the day she died. Like, you know what I mean? But wow. still going, still going. And um, oh it was just like that kind of, that was like a real big impact in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's when I, honestly, that's when I probably really called on him. And mm -hmm. then when I got back home from the funeral, um, one of my real close friends, I'm not going to say any name, but we found out she was sick. And um, it kind of touched really home because it could have been me. Mm -hmm. um, and she just up and left me. So I was all alone again. 
And that's when I, I remember sitting in that house like, what is I'm going to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, am I, this, this is just what it's going to be. Because at that moment, and I really didn't know, I had left my kids in Ohio with my sister because I couldn't cope. Um, I literally, after the day after my mom's funeral, I said, hey, you keep these kids. I'll see y'all later because I could not cope. I, I couldn't even look at my kids. So when I left my kids there and I came back to Florida alone is when it really kind of was like, okay, what is we going to do? Because now I don't got my kids. I don't got my mom. My friends is gone. And it was literally just me in this house. I got an eviction notice. Um, everything that you could think of, you know. Yeah. But God, look, God is good. <laughs> he is. He is. He is. Um, and I'm so honored just to have you all on this podcast. And it's just amazing to me to hear your story. I'm just sitting here like, wow, just the goodness of God, just to hear like you, the things you endured and you, you came through, right? You stood under the pressure. That's what endurance means. You stand under the pressure, even when the pressure is getting and more intense and intense, but you stand under it, even when you don't even think you standing under under it, right? You you probably thought you were out of your mind. You probably thought, you know, like like you said, you didn't know if you was coming or going, but you were still standing, even if it was standing having to drink, even if it was standing having to leave your kids in Ohio, even if it was standing having to be in a house alone, you were standing under stuff that would break a lot of people and they would lose their mind. You know, and, and or they would be in a place lost somewhere, you know, still trying to, you know, get out of that pit in that dark place. But you're here and not only are you here, God has just restored, he has redeemed, he has blessed, he has favored, he just showed out. And so I'm just sitting here just like, Wow, Lord, you're so good and it's so encouraging to me, if it's not encouraging to anybody else. Because sometimes we know our story and we think our story is the worst, right? We think whatever we went through is the worst of the worst. Ain't nobody went through anything right. worse than us. And to hear when someone else has probably had it a little more difficult or things was a little more heavy or they, or they experienced some things that I don't know, to be honest, like what that is like. You know what I'm saying? And so to, to see you here now. And to see how God worked it all together, it is truly a blessing. You know, God truly has this, um, he really has something on your life. And you really got to use your voice, um, you got to use your voice. You got to get out of this this place of um, being afraid to speak out because your testimony is so powerful and it's so needed because so many people have experienced some form of what you've experienced this experience and maybe they don't know Christ or maybe they just don't have hope or they haven't seen anybody who has overcome and come on the other side of that and so it's so important for you to speak and use your voice and tell your testimony and not be afraid um, because you won't set somebody else free even on this podcast today somebody who's on here now or who may listen to the replay may literally something may ignite in them because maybe they think they're hopeless. Maybe they think their situation is too far gone. Or maybe they're dealing with some heavy grief, right? Because that's heavy grief. Yeah. You know, you're losing multiple people in a short amount of time. You don't even have the time to process the first one before you have another one. And these are all very close people and family members to you. That's like a whole nother level. 
and to see you here today, you got a smile on your face, and you're talking about God and the goodness of God and just how he worked everything out. That is just, it is phenomenal. Um, so I'm just like, wow. <laughs> like, he, is is so he has really kept me. I can say that he has really kept me, and I and I just give him glory because, uh, like I said, I'm so many instances where it could have been me. You know what I mean? And it probably should have been me, but he kept me. So I'm just grateful that I'm still here <laughs> and I can share my story. Yes, and so now you know because we're talking about life after. So we, and I think building. Um, Having a building blocks of understanding where somebody was to where they are today is so important because it's so easy for people to see people, somebody like myself or someone like you, and they, they get to see the other side, right? Mm. They get to see the after Christ. You see the before Christ. Okay. You know what I mean? If y'all seen your girl before Christ, I don't know. Y'all might not be trying to be on this podcast. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> like, no, sis, we know what you did. Uh, but God is so good, and he covers us. And even when people do know, and some people, they it's hard for them to receive, right, the new you, uh, the redeemed you, the restored you. And for some people, it, it's encouraging because they now know that it can be them as well. But let's talk about the the great things that you're doing right now, um, where you are today, and um, just uh, how life has just really uh, begin to unfold in such a major way for you here in these these past uh, few years. Uh, well, now I am the owner of my I own two businesses. Um, I own two businesses. Yeah. So I um, after God, you know, showed me that He was my provider, and me and Him got through um, our little healing, and COVID came, and I had told Him that I didn't want to work for anybody else, and. Um, he asked me, what could I do? Like, in my sleep one day, he was like, what can you do? Mm. And I was like, oh, I, I can do I can do numbers because that's what I do. I can do taxes. And um, I sat down and I asked God to partner with me in my business. And um, this will be my fourth season in taxes. Uh, Come on, girl. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm super excited, too, because it's like, like, I said, I never thought I would be here. You know what I'm saying? But this is actually my fourth season. I actually have employees and a team and it's like oh, oh girl, you big time for me because <laughs> guess what it's everybody like, better pay your taxes yeah. pay your taxes because the government gonna come for you okay well, the person we gonna pay, pay the taxes yes. right you know but, like if you can't do your taxes hire a professional Definitely hire a professional like you. <laughs> yes, and we have one right here on the podcast. And we're going to, before we end the podcast, we're definitely going to make sure she gives all of her contact information. So anyone who is interested or needs some help, needs some guidance on um, how to start a business or um, some tax um, some tax help and tax assistance, you will be able to give her um, a call or contact or reach out to her. So we're definitely going to make sure we plug that in before we end the podcast. And so, um, so you said you have two businesses. Is both of them tax businesses? Um, yes. Um, it's um, Q&Q Tax and Financial Services. And then I have a, a tax software resale company. Um, and I also teach classes. So I had to separate them, you know, for tax. Yeah. <laughs> so Q&Q um, Tax Pro Solutions is I offer software for t tax professionals. If you have your own tax business, then I can provide you software, and I can also provide you and your team training. Um, and then my, like I said, my passion is business, business structuring, 
um, helping people get their business off the ground because I believe that financial literacy and generational wealth is our portion. Like, I do Come not believe. This is children's brand, okay? Listen, I do not believe that God put us here to live in lack and poverty. That is not what he our word says. So, like, literally, that's, like, my passion right now. I just want for everybody to know who they are. I have um, my tax academy and my academy that is coming out. is called Billionaire Bosses. And the reason why it's billionaires is because I need for people to know who they are. Like, when you know that you're a child of the Most High, then you know that everything here belongs to you, and you will not be comfortable in lack. You will not, you know what I'm saying? You will find a way. And then you even got to find a way because God said he'll make a way. And that's really what it's about. So that's where I'm really at right now. I'm just trying to teach people that I believe that it is our duty to own our own businesses, to own our own land, to be self-sufficient, because that is what Christ told facts, us. To facts, facts, facts. Um, for years and years and years, we have been behind as minorities, and it is time for yes. us to step up and take our rightful place. I honestly believe that um, if we all come together and start teaching each other about wealth and knowledge, um, financial, yes. then we'll have the knowledge to create that type of wealth. Because, like I said, I started in taxes. And I end up getting into, like, credit repair, and um, now I'm learning insurance. And how I got into life insurance is because when my mama died, we didn't have no money. Mm-hmm. Um, when my sister died, we didn't have no money. So we got three funerals and no money. Mm-hmm. That was the heart-wrenchingest thing ever when my granddad walked in the house and said, so how are we going to bury y'all's mama? And, like I said before, we from the streets, me and my sisters. My sister said, well, I guess we got to go robbing tonight. And me and my sister got into altercation, and it broke my heart. And I told myself that day that my kids would never, never have to worry about how they're going to bury me. And I made it my business to learn about life insurance and to learn about financial literacy. That is, like, where my passion started because – that night was just so crazy. You know what I mean? We and my granddad did step up and pay for it, but what if he didn't have it? Yeah. You know what I mean, so I think that as a community, we really need to know that life insurance is a means to financial wealth, like generational wealth. If you build it up right and if you do it right, you can leave your kids, kids, kids money, trust funds. Yeah. Well, we just, that's what a lot of um, the other cultures do. And that that's a lot of how they um, build um, their wealth. And because cause I used to be in insurance. I used to do, I used to sell life insurance. I used to be an agent. I used to, yeah. man, that a, you, you get exposed to the information. But, see, that's been the thing. We've been behind because we still have been, you know, denied access, right? And it's um, knowledge because knowledge is power only if you, if you use it. Um, and so we – lack the knowledge a lot of the time. So as the Bible says, for my people perish for a lack of knowledge. So because we come from like generational cycles of poverty where, you know, our grandparents probably didn't have no life insurance or they didn't have no money. They didn't know how to save. They didn't know about financial literacy. They work in check to check. They barely surviving. They in the struggle. And then a lot of times that cycle was repeated. And the, the only reason why the level playing field hasn't been level is for knowledge because other cultures, they get the knowledge and then they pass it down. 
Yeah. They pass down not just their, their wealth, but they pass down the knowledge and how to manage the wealth, how to multiply the wealth, right, how to sustain the wealth. And so that's how you can have whole family lines and other cultures, and they, they've been wealthy for decades. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, yeah. like, can you imagine just a family that has just been wealthy for just 40 and 50 Yes. years you know but that's because they understand it's the knowledge i don't i don't need to pass you down wealth what i really need to pass you down is how to get wealth yes. i need to pass you down the knowledge i need to pass you down the tools i need to educate you because you can lose money but you can't lose your knowledge yes. and so we get not only if we get educated but if we understand how to take that and to apply it and to how to replicate it, right, you build a well-oiled machine. And that's where you see a lot of these people, they just come from wealth. Why? Because somebody in that family understood, like, you had to have that revelation, like, yo, we, some, there's a gap here. Yes. <laughs> there's a gap right. here, and I got to feel So that's kind of what I experienced when I started into the insurance business and just really understanding what insurance is. And I think, a lot of times it's so sad when it comes to insurance, a lot of people think, well, I can't afford it um, right. because they look at it as it's a bill. When you need to look at it like it's securing your future because your biggest asset is you. So if you're gone and you're bringing in the income or you're the one sustaining the family, your income leave with you if you don't have nothing to replace it for after you're gone. So that's your peace of mind. That's securing your future, right? And so when you begin to give people the value of it, if you can get people to understand the value of life insurance, because everybody's going to die. It's not a question. We're all going to die. And having, oh, her, uh, she went out. Hopefully she come back in. But understanding that paying $20 a month to secure your future is a lot less then having to go through, like, um, her story, not knowing how you may have to bury your loved one. And just um, having that paradigm shift um, is so important. So I love that she brought that out, uh, brought that up, and that's something she's passionate about. I am as well, if you guys cannot see. Um, but it's so important for us to begin to break these barriers, to break these glass ceilings that have been put on us as a people, even though we're not being denied reading and writing like they were, you know, um, back um, uh, some um, years ago, we're still being denied, quote, unquote, um, access to information, right, access to resources, because it's not always about, you know, what you have, who you know, hold on, let me put, bring her back in. You know, sometimes it's about what you know, right? And when you have the right tools, you you know how to use those tools to build. Like a, a construction worker can't build nothing if they don't got the right tools. And so if we don't have the right foundation and the right tools, we can't build. And that's the one thing that I see is definitely a lack in our community. We put value on things like, I know I, know I used to go to, uh, and I still do sometimes i can go to the coffee shop and get my favorite coffee favorite tea because i don't drink coffee and it's cost me about seven dollars a pop okay i can go six <laughs> times a week <laughs> and do that right i can't go out to eat i can you know what i'm saying just do things that really are not adding value or securing my future regularly and think nothing about it but then if somebody come and tell me to intentionally put my money towards something that i don't get a direct 
you know, I don't get that direct um, gratification, right? See, I don't mind going to spend my money on the tea because I'm getting a direct gratification. Even though if I look at my bank account, I'd have probably spent $100 a month <laughs> on tea, you know right. what I'm saying? Which is ridiculous, but it's keeping it real. But I get a direct instant gratification. But if you tell me to invest in my future because of something that is going to happen, but because it seems far away or I don't think it's that important right now, I'll say I can't afford it. Right. And so it's really so important for you to, again, keep doing what you're doing, especially with that financial literacy, because it's so important. It will break barriers. It will break glass ceilings. It will empower people. It will give um, people the momentum that they need to, you know, to go to another level and to be able to create generational wealth um, so that whatever we went through, our kids and our kids' kids don't have to, you know, go through. And so um, that is amazing. I love how God is using your natural gifts, right? You you was always a hustler. And see, sometimes God gives us these gifts and we just use them in a in a different way. Until we learn, until we know, until we have an encounter and a, a revelation. And then he take that same gift. He takes that same passion. And he then take it and he use it for his glory. So now you're using your gift to be an entrepreneur. You know, now you have multiple companies. Now you, you know, are able to teach. You're able to help other people build. It's still a hustle. Right. It's still a hustle. And so God, it's so good how God literally just, he don't waste nothing. No, he don't. And it's so crazy. Like I said, I never thought that I would be where I am at now. And that's why I just give him all the glory because, this this had to be his plan because it wasn't mine. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this was all him. This was not my plan. I so I, I worked for somebody doing taxes before, and I did have an inkling in that I wanted to do taxes, but it was never heavy, heavy on my heart until he was like, you know, I already t- I already showed you what you can do, but I just didn't know that I was actually capable until I actually did it. That's all it takes sometimes. That's yeah. all it takes is that one step for you to do it. Because if you think for one moment I wanted to have a podcast, <laughs> and if you really think that I wanted to have a podcast called Purity After Promiscuity, where I got to be open and transparent, I got to put my dirty laundry out there, talk about, you know, the past that I had and the things that I did. Girl, bye. Right. No, ma'am. <laughs> I, can I, what's behind the next door? You know what I'm saying? Right. That's not what I saw myself doing. Um, me, you know, even being a business owner and, you know, all the things that God is doing. Um, I've always been entrepreneurial in mind, I would say, but as far as just like really, truly being in full, um, full-time entrepreneurship, because I was the type who, you know, always had a side hustle, you know, <laughs> to lean back on, you right. know what I mean? Like, you know, I used to do hair, and I was still working my job, you know, my regular job. I used to, you know, do things, but I still wanted to have, like, stability. Because entrepreneurship, that thing can be, ooh, you got to be built for that. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be built for it. And when you truly are trusting God, where you're like, okay, I'm not going to have these things over here. I'm going to surrender everything to you, and I'm going to trust you to provide. Because there's no other way if you don't make it happen. Yeah. That that takes your faith to another level. So it's just it's just 
amazing. It's amazing to see how God don't, he don't, he's not a respecter person. Right. Right. If he do it for you, if he did it for me, he'll do it for whoever on this live, whoever catch the replay. Like if you surrender, if you trust him, uh, if you allow him to take the wheel, right, you hear that term, that uh, slogan, Jesus, take the wheel. Right. Um, if you really let him take the wheel, it's nothing he can't do right. or it's won't do. Right. And um, I'm just, wow, like, your <laughs> your story is so powerful. Um, and I just know this is the just the beginning for you, for what God is really going to use you to do. Like, I'm sure, like, you haven't even begun to scratch the surface uh just the the things like eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man. I truly right? believe that. Yes, I do. <laughs> I believe Come on, God, no, I believe his word. Seriously. I stand on me, I stand on God's word. When I pray, I pray his word to him. Come on. Because he, him he gave me. You know what I mean? So I say you guys you said I can stand on your word. So I stand on his word. And I believe every word in that Bible that he told me that he he that he put me here to have an abundant life, you know what yes. I mean? To live in not not to live in lack, you know? Because um, if we really think about it, everybody always in you know when we was growing up in church, they made it seem like you were supposed to give everything you had and follow Jesus. You know what I'm saying? But we know that that's not what he meant. You know what I'm saying? When he said lay down all your things, he wasn't talking about material things really. You know what I'm saying? He was talking about lay down all that stuff on your heart, that hurt, that um, stuff from the past. He was literally talking about take everything by stripping you naked. That's the only way I can think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he strips you everything from you where you don't have nothing but him and you. Yeah. You know what I mean? He will. Yeah. And that's why I like when I say like he'll, he'll separate you. You know what I mean? So that you can get that one-on-one time with him. And then, and then when he does, you'll know when he's talking to you because now you have a direct line. You know what I mean? You can you and um, what I would say, you can just talk to him like you talk to me or you. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to be in 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 prayer all the time in the closet having these old holier than thou. I would say prayers. You know how people be? You know trying to pray heaven down. You don't always have to talk to God like that. Because that's not how I started talking to him. I started talking to him just like I talked to you. Now, my prayer has gotten a little stronger, and it's gotten better. It you know will. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> in, the time, yeah. I didn't, in the beginning, I didn't know the word to stand on it. So I just talked yeah. to him. You know what I mean? And then as I started reading the word more, then I was able to say, well, God, you said this, and I believe you. You know what I'm saying? And he'll show up. And sometimes you might feel like he don't hear you or whatever. But they say the uh, te- the teacher is always quiet during the test, and I always believe I that. that. <laughs> That's you be over here praying and praying and toiling sometimes, and you feel like he don't hear you. But then you will wake up one morning, and everything will be okay. Yeah. And you will be like, I've been worried all this time when he had me the whole time. You know, yeah. it's just like he he is just good. Like I said, I honestly believe like this is just the beginning for me. Um, like I said, I was being obedient when I reached out to you. For the podcast, because I was super nervous. Um, I do have uh, my own podcast show, um, and I was able to get a couple of shows in before this one, which made me a little more comfortable. But when he initially told me to reach out, all right, when he originally told me to reach out, I was scared. I was like, you know, but he was like, this is something that people need to know. You know, like I literally, uh, when I lost my virginity at probably like 12 years old, 
Um, I did too. And I was having sex all the way up until the age of 35 when I decided that I was not going to have sex anymore. Yeah. You know, I was like, all right, now keep my, uh, what's that? It'll be four years in November. What am I? How old am I? Well, I'm <laughs> you, stop, you, stop, you stop keeping track after it's been okay, so long. Listen. I'm saying you're like, Jesus, listen. when is you going to bring the husband? Right. So that's what right. bring so that's where I was like. It's I was been, like I've been on ice for some time now. You know what I mean? Like, I've been, I've been waiting. Right? I've been waiting on ice. Waiting. Okay. I want you to yes. thaw out. I want to thaw out, Jesus. Okay. Send the husband, okay? It's right. almost four years. Yeah, okay? that's definitely I, I, I don't even know the last time I kissed a man. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know. I mean, you see, I see, like, people getting married, you know, especially on Instagram, see these reels and stuff, right? And they be kissing and stuff, and I had to think to myself, like, I really don't even remember <laughs> what it's like. Right. Because, you know, my mindset ain't there either, right. right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think about that. I'm not, I don't, I don't desire it in that way where I'm over here like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I'm so consumed with everything else I got going on that I don't think about it until I see it. And then it brings it to my memory, like. Right. I never and, thought I would be here. I never thought that I would be in that place, like, where I'm abstinent. Yeah, abstinence and, You know, like, big. God is good. That's real big. Because what is, one thing about abstinence is really part of the healing journey is it teaches you how to be with just yourself. And uh, even when those urges come, you have to be able to control yourself. You know what I mean? Like, self-control is... It's so hard when you just know that you can just easily go and fulfill that need. You know what I mean? But you know that you fulfilling that need is not really what you want. You know what I mean? So I did practice abstinence for a few years. um, And I think that was like the best part of my healing journey. Um, And it was kind of weird because um, I I, kind of go say I kind of made myself ugly, but I kind of did make myself ugly. Um, I started growing my hair out which was what I wanted to do anyways, but I, I wouldn't do it. Like, I would just have it all over my head. I would walk out the house with mismatching clothes on. My kids would be like, Mom, what are you doing? And I would be like, I just don't want anybody to look at me. Because when you've been sexualized for so many years, you know what I'm saying, and everybody's always looking at you, you know what I'm saying, and mind you, I was wearing the clothes for them to be looking. It was different once I got into that space with God. I would be feeling weird now when certain men look at me a certain type of way you know what i'm yeah. saying like it would trigger past so that's how that's how that healing do though you know what i'm saying like it would trigger past moments when i remember as a child seeing a man look at me a certain type of way mm-hmm. so when i started practicing mm-hmm. abstinence and i like i said kind of made myself ugly and i didn't want people looking at me no more um i was just healing though you know yeah because i didn't want to um I just would tell people, like, I don't date, and you can't get my number. And my kids would be like, Mom, you're not dating. You need a husband. I would be like, no, I'm not dating right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, don't look at me. You know how you go to the corner store and all the guys talking to you and stuff? I'll make sure when I go to the corner store I look a hot mess. <laughs> like, don't hey, even come some up dudes here. don't care. Like, it ain't be like, you know what I'm saying? Hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, um. Yeah, it was just like, I kind of just like, I'm just now getting back to myself where I'm feeling beautiful and comfortable, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it was, it's definitely been a journey in the process. Praise <laughs> God. Listen, because this ain't real, you know? I don't, yeah. I don't like to fake with people and say it's the easiest thing, um, but, you know, when you can, when you know that you have Holy Spirit to 
empower you to do the things you can't do on your own. It's like relying more on Holy Spirit than me because I know me and my flesh. Uh, I don't know. I can't even give a time frame that I probably on my own could have tried to make um, because I'm sure it's very short. Um, Just keeping it real. And the the interesting thing about it, though, even when I was um, having sex and stuff, I never really enjoyed it. Um, It became so much like of a habit, I would say, because I grew up around friends and people where it was just a normal thing to do. It was just what you did. It it really wasn't tied to emotion. It really wasn't tied to, um, you know, I really want to be with you per se. It was just like you like a boy or you in a relationship or y'all got a situationship or y'all talking, (laughs) whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, y'all have sex. And so I never truly tied emotion or feelings to sex. And so a lot of the times I didn't enjoy it. I did it more out of – obligation because I felt like that's what you did you know um when you wanted to be with somebody or you wanted to like somebody or you wanted them you know to like you and so I don't even understand why I did it for as long as I did because I really didn't get that enjoyment like how I hear other people talk about their experiences I'd be saying they're like (laughs) right like you missed that I don't know what that is but you know I was molested at a young age right so my introduction to sex and sexuality was perverted Um, because I was molested by a family member, you know, and then I was touched again, you know, and then I got introduced to porn. And by the time I was 12, I was full on addicted to porn and masturbation. So all of my experiences with sex was really just perverted. So I didn't even have that understanding of really how God created sex to be and what it was and what it was and how it was meant, you know, and all of that. So it was just something like when it t- came time to be abstinent, I didn't really struggle when I having sex. I struggled with not masturbating or watching porn. Right. That that was my struggle. You know, that's the thing that took me a very long time. Um, a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting, a lot of really crying out to God, literally like begging God to help me to deliver me because it was such a stronghold in my life because I had done it for decades. And so um, I literally was addicted, and I didn't know until I started my healing journey. Um, And I remember being in counseling, and I was talking to my counselor about it, and I'm just like, I don't understand why. It's like what Paul say, you know, the thing that I I know to do, I don't do, and the thing that I don't want to do, I do, right? I'm like, I don't want to do this no more, but I keep doing it. I don't understand it. And she's like, well, you keep looking at the fruit. You're looking at the behavior, which is the masturbation or the porn, but what you need to identify is the root of what need is it filling? Right. What are you getting from it? And so that's really what kind of started me to go down my journey to even be delivered from that because – a lot of things we don't talk about, especially even in um, the Christian community, a lot of times we don't talk about these type of things. We don't talk about um, the struggle with, you know, masturbation or pornography. We don't talk about the struggle with even being addicted to sex. Like, that's a thing. You know, there are some people who are. We don't talk about or what does the the journey or the process look like to go from living that particular type of lifestyle to now wanting to live a lifestyle of purity and abstinence, right? And really just kind of like what that is, you just kind of hear this 
don't fornicate, <laughs> you know, sexual, right. don't commit sexual immorality. You know, sexual those who commit sexual immorality ain't going to inherit the kingdom. You know, you hear, you just hear all of these people talking at you and preaching at you, but you don't hear a lot of people talking about the journey of redemption from living that lifestyle and how God still loves you and God covers you and how that guilt, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not who, you're not that. That was a behavior, but that's not who you are. You know, people don't, we don't hear those conversations or we don't hear even people talk about their struggles because it's many people who had some type of struggle with sex or even in the church still struggling, you know, behind closed doors. And the reason why they're not free is because ain't nobody keeping it real. Right. And so, you know, that's why God wants um, us to talk about different things we experience, not because he's looking to embarrass us or, you know, to ridicule or, con- or to, you know, condemn us. But it's really because other women need to hear Other women who are struggling, other women who are in that, other women who don't know how to get out, other women who feel like, you know, they've been doing it so long, oh, you know, it just is what it is, you know, and don't think that they can actually start over. And we need to be, you know, able to be that example, especially for that, because a lot of women are bound by their sexual past, or even if it's abuse. Right. And I definitely agree. Um, um, uh, I was just about to say being molested when I was younger and um, just having um, a lot of older guys on me when I was younger it was like um, at 17 I was dating a 36 year old we just put that out there so though that was the type of relationship that I've had since I was younger you know what I mean it was like mm-hmm. always an older man you know what I mean yeah. so um I kind of got used to that, you know, so that's where in the streets it was an older guy. He got some money for me. Let's go. You know what I mean? So um, when I started to, when I, for me, it was kind of, like I said, it was, it was difficult. It was easy because I was kind of tired. You know what I'm saying? Like when you live that lifestyle for so many years, at some point you, you tired. I, I, I mean, I would think I would know because I was tired, like tired of being with all these different men. No, they don't love me. They just here for sex. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, and I'm just here for the money because I don't care either. I'm just trying to go pay some bills. That's it. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like so much other stuff came with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like, okay, when do we not do this? <laughs> you know? Right. But I I, um, I remember, I'm just going to say this, I remember before I had started going to church, um, this lady came to me. And I'm going to tell you how the devil worked. This lady came to me, and she was like, invited me to church. She was like, I want you to know no matter what you've been out here doing in these streets, you can always come back to God. I looked at that lady and was like, you don't know me. That was God telling me Mm -hmm. to come to church. Yeah. Six months later, I was right in that lady's church. Look at how that seed was planted. Listen, because I recognized it was the devil. So you got to recognize the devil. When you start this journey, you got to recognize when it's God and when it's devil. So when she told me that, I recognized the devil got angry in me because who was she to tell me and she don't know me? But that was the devil trying to keep me from church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had I not went to church, I probably wouldn't be here. And I tell this yeah. lady when I see her in church all the time, I love you. You know what I'm saying? Because had not you whispered that in my ear, I would have never. I haven't been to church in 10 years. Wow. 10 years. We lived in Florida. We never had a church home. My mom never found a church home down here for us. I hadn't been to church in, yeah, probably at least 10 years. 
this lady came with her to my ear. She's like, I, whatever you've been doing out here, you can come to church. And it took me about six months to go. But I thank her to this day that I went. You know what I mean? It was like the, the wow. big turning point in my life to know that I could go to church. And actually, when I actually sat down and talked to her and learned her story, how she had been out in the streets, she seen herself in me and was just telling me, baby, come on to church, because if he did it for me, he could do it for you. See, that's you confirmation. Know, of- and seriously, like I, like I said, I see this lady at church. When I do go, I give her the biggest hug. because and, and I tell God, thank you for her. This lady didn't know me from a can of paint. You know what I mean? But she saw herself in me. You know what I'm saying? And she was like, come on to church, baby. And when I say that was the best thing that I did was come on to church. You know what I mean? Because, like, after being out of church for so long, you know what I mean? I felt like they, like, I didn't have, I didn't have folks to go to church. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I could show y'all some of them first days of church outfits I had on, you would be like, I did not go to church like that. But I did because when I was growing up, they told me to come as I am. So I went as I was. You know what I mean? And I was like to say, now I'm me. You know what I mean? Like he is, he is working a masterpiece over here in me. That's all I can say. That is. And like for the people who that like really know. know where I, who know me, and um, who've seen the changes that I've been through, I just want y'all to know that it's possible. Like he, he didn't choose me out of. Uh, he don't got favorites. He don't. He don't got favorites. No matter how you're feeling or what you're going through right now, call on God. Call on the name of the Lord. I promise you, no matter how the whole uh, big deep that hole is you've dug for yourself, He'll still come and get you. And it's really just about the faith to know. Um, and you got to build faith. Faith um, has to be tried and tested. So when you feel like you're going through something, God just wants you to to see if you if you're serious about what you ask for. Yes, that's just a, a perfect way to um, come to the conclusion of the podcast is just that the message of hope, right? That message of hope and to, to know, like, even if you're not looking for him, he'll come looking for you. He'll send a woman, a stranger. He'll send two women on a, on a podcast, on the Facebook right. Live, on a Friday night, who ain't no different, right? who have a past, who did some things, who made some mistakes, but gave God a yes. Yes. And is willing to be used for you, right? This podcast is for any and every woman that will be touched, um, that will hear something that can ignite her faith or give her hope or encourage her or empower her to understand that your past doesn't define you, sister. It develops you because if it wasn't for the things that you've gone through, you're you're not going to be able to walk in who you're becoming. Everything works together, right? You need all that because it's important because then you can, once you come out, like Moses, he came out of Egypt, right? And he was out in Midian for 40 years, continuing to be processed. But the whole goal was God was going to send him back to the very place he was running from. Why? Because he needed now go reach back and go get the others. And so when God brings us out of a thing, yes, in the moment it feels like, why am I going through this? It feels like, why is life happening to me? Why have I been dealt this cards? What have I done? 
where is God? I know, you know, I'm thinking back on some things I went through, and I'm like, Lord, where was you at? Why, why you didn't stop this? You know, but right. at the end of the day, it's all a part of you being equipped to know how to go back. Like when Harriet came out of slavery and she made it out into freedom, now she had the strategy. She understood. She understood, you know, which way to go, what route to take. You know, she understood, you know, how to move, what to do in order to get to freedom because it's different when a person can tell you how to do something. It's another thing when a person can show you how to do something. And I can give you an example from my experience of how God brought me out of a thing. And that's why we have to understand that all things work together because now I have an experience that another woman may have, and I can go back and I can pull her up and say, okay, sis, I got you. If God did it for me, he can do it for you too. It don't matter. It don't matter how far you think you've gone, how how horrible you think your life is, you know, how you feel like you, you know, turned your back on God and you ran from him or whatever. He don't care. He's still sitting there. He like that father waiting for that prodigal son. He's just like, come home. Just come <laughs> yeah. back into the Father's arm. And he's waiting for you. And the Bible says that they, they celebrate, they rejoice in heaven at everyone, who every soul that is saved. Yeah. So that's what it's about. He's rejoicing over you. He's rejoicing every time somebody gets free. He's rejoicing every time you're walking in your victory. And you are walking in your victory, my sister. <laughs> and I'm glad you were obedient. I'm glad you reached out. Because what you didn't know is God was in my ear telling me that I need to break out of my comfort zone of not having guests on because I didn't want to reach out and ask people, you know. Right. I didn't want to talk to, you know, people I don't know. Like, I right. just write in people's inboxes or, you know what I mean? Um, and so I was uncomfortable in that. So when you reached out, that was really the Lord. Like, okay, I'm now I need you to start, you know. And so it was really um, what I needed to receive what God was telling me to do in the direction he wanted me to go in for the podcast. So I'm so just so happy that you're obedient. Sometimes we got to do it scared. Um, (laughs) There won't be an absence of being, you know, having, um, being scared, but that's just where faith is. You just do it in faith and look where God's going to take your podcast, what he's going to do through you, your businesses, all of that is going to be phenomenal. So I want you to drop all of your contact information for all of the people they, where they can find you, where they can follow you, where they can sign up for your um, your programs or get more information about, um, you know, how you can help them. Um, make sure you oh – these notifications, sorry. But, yes, yeah, so just go ahead and give um, the people um, all your contact information so they are able to connect with you. Um, you guys can find me on Facebook under Colina Wilkerson. Um, I do have two Facebook pages um, under Kalina Wilkerson, you can friend request either one of those. Um, I also am on Instagram under Kalina Wilkerson, and I think I'm on TikTok under I think Kalina underscore billionaire. Um, my if you guys need to reach out with me, I would say the best way to get in contact with me would be through my one of my Facebook pages. You guys can DM me. My phone number is public there. I'm not a too much of a private person because somebody might need you. So if you guys just need me for whatever reason, you guys are more than welcome to pick up the phone. I will answer. Um, if you need me for business, I do have a 818-877-277-4790 is my business line. And you can call me anytime Monday through Saturday from 9 to 5. Um, if it's about business, um, like I said, just Facebook. But if it's personal and you just need a sister to talk to 
um, or a friend, somebody to um, encourage you. I am definitely here for that. Um, if you guys are on Facebook, I do come on live on two, um, on Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. just to give encouragement. Um, God has been telling me to be obedient and to start using my voice. And like you know, shit, I'm trying to be obedient. So I am doing a 30-day live um, challenge where I'm just going to put um, whatever God has me to put out there that day. Um, I get up in the morning and I just ask him to give me words to give to his people. And that's what I'm giving every morning at 10 o'clock. So if you guys could join me there, I would be awesome. <laughs> and I just want to say thank you for having me. Uh, yes, I was nervous. Um when I called you, but he just kept telling me uh, my story, his glory. And so I did want to tell my story that, so that he can get the glory from it because it's all him. It's definitely all him. So thank you so much for having me. He know what he's doing. Uh, that's one thing for sure, too, for certain. And, um, you know, he has a way of divinely connecting people um, to, to get his uh, will to be done. And so, um, He's just amazing. He he is like he's the best like plug. You know what I mean? Like listen, you need some PR, you know what I'm saying? You need to go holler. <laughs> like, yeah, God, yeah, get you together. He will be some get you into some doors, some places, some spaces that you can never dream of. So just keep being obedient. Just keep listening. No matter, you know, how scary it is, you know, no matter how intimidating it is, um, no matter if you've never seen nobody um, do it before, sometimes we look for a reference of who's done it, right? right. Who, has, who has done the thing that God is calling you to do, but sometimes you the reference. Right. So it's not somebody else you can look at. And um, God does that on purpose so he can be the one to get all the glory. So whatever he's doing and whatever he's telling you to do, um, follow him radically, you know, be radically obedient to what he's calling you to do. And it's nothing, you know, God won't do for you because, you know, obedience is better than sacrifice. And if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the um, good of the land. And um, it's obedience that unlocks the blessings, right? Mm -hmm. That's what Deuteronomy 28 um, says. If you are careful to obey and follow all the instructions I'll give you this day, all these blessings right. will come upon you. And so a lot of times we're looking to pray um, certain prayers or, or perform in a certain way, if you will, to get God to bless us when all we really got to do is simply be obedient. That's right. And he, he, we won't have to ask for him to do things. He'll just do it. Just like you just do things for your kids. They don't always, you know what I'm saying? You know they like something, you get it. You know right. what I'm saying? You know they really want something. You know, you will surprise them because you do it just out of love because you love them and you want them to be happy. Um, and so that's how God is with us. He just loves us and because we have his his favor is unmerited. We don't earn it. You know, it's just simply because he's gracious. Um, so I'm just excited for what God is going to do through you and for you. Um, thank you so much for gracing the Purity After Promiscuity <laughs> podcast where we are redefining a woman's worth. This is our kickoff to season three. This is our um, first episode. And um, I think it was just phenomenal. I think it was powerful, and I'm, I mean, it exceeded my expectations, so um, I'm just happy, and this is just really setting the tone for the direction of where God is going to take the podcast, so 
Um, I'm looking forward um, to us connecting. Um, and, you know, who knows, I may be a guest on your podcast. Yes, yes. I'm okay, looking you know? forward to but, it. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, I just love how God divinely connects people and, and aligns people and just, you know, bring you into um, divine partnership. You know, it's so amazing how he does that. And so we are definitely connected, my sister. And yes, so definitely. we are coming to the end of our first episode of the podcast today where it was titled, Is It Worth the White? Is it worth the wait? Life after, and it was um, we had our special guest Quaylena Wilkerson um, just letting us know just how she went from one place in her life to the next, right? And her how her life after whatever was the streets, whatever was the hustle, whatever was the I got to do what I got to do, whatever it was me just being out here to now being the woman of God that she is today, being the business owner that she is today, being the entrepreneur, the mother, the sister, like just all the things that she is today, but it was after, right? There was life after the hustle. There was life after the streets. There was life after brokenness. There was life after experience extreme grief and loss. There was life after. And so we give God all the glory for, you know, our latter days being greater than our past, right? And, and the crown of beauty he'll give for the ashes and just how he's a restorer and a redeemer. So I just thank you so much for just coming on the podcast, being honest, being open, um, sharing, sharing your story with us. Um, it means so much to me. You, and I just pray that God continues to bless you and use you. And I'm so grateful for you. Guys, reach out to her if you need help with taxes, if you want to learn how to do business, if you want to, if you're starting a business or you need help, you know, um, with your business structure, um, if, if you just need someone to talk to, if you need prayer, whatever it is, catch her live on her page at Quailina Wilkerson on Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Oh, no, Monday through Friday. Oh, Monday through Friday. I'm sorry. Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Because she's speaking and she's delivering a word of encouragement, which we can all use, especially in this time that we are in. And so, yes, reach out to her, connect with her, go follow her, um, like, um, you know, her page, her Instagram, all of the things, support her and what she's doing and how God is using her. And know that if he did it for her, if he did it for me, he by sure can do it for you. And just remember that your past does not define you. It develops you, and you are worthy. So I will talk to you later. Thank you. Have a good night. You too.